Well, that old teacher trick really works, doesn't it? <laughs> so we, we've got the privilege of having Leah speak to us this morning, which is fantastic. So, uh, yes, the odd whoop, that's good. Can we give it another whoop just to kind of... That's fine, it's fine. That's all good. It's you don't all need good. to use that if you don't want to. Okay. Can you hear me okay if I don't use it? No, it's recorded. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. The voice of the Hully has spoken. It's, um, it's really great to be here. Most of you um, we know quite well. So it's like coming back to family. Some of you won't know Dave and I. I'm going to move this a bit further forward. It's all right. You can look at my back a bit. Um, I was part of King's Church. Um, I was a student in Derby and I was part of King's Church oh, 20 years ago. Kind of ages me, mainly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then Dave and I started Married Life in Loughborough. So you, some of you guys have journeyed with us in some of um, some really forming years of our lives. Um, and I, Loughborough is very special to our heart. And King's Church is very special to our heart. And it's amazing being back, actually, and seeing some of you guys, I won't point you all out, but who were like babies and children, and now you're having your own babies. <laughs> it's really weird, <laughs> but amazing. And um, it's so exciting to be here. So thank you. And, you know, Andrew and Trent are, are really special to us um, in so many ways. And you guys have got an incredible leadership team who are taking you into great places and God is doing some I know he's doing some amazing things amongst you um, I just, is it live? live? Yes. as we <laughs> as we were I, I don't know Liv, she doesn't know me <laughs> as we were worshipping I just want to throw this in before we start but as we were worshipping I felt God say to me that there was an anointing of abundance and favour upon you that actually there's a specific anointing for favour with people in your work or whatever it is you need to do in the next few years, that you would have people listening to you that are unexpected, that you didn't expect. But there's an abundance of finance as well in areas of um, whatever you're putting your hand upon. So just watch and see what God does. Um, but yeah, and the other thing I felt as we were worshipping is that there's... Um, there is some, there's a specific anointing for healing this weekend. And if people have come sick, to be you know, ready for that, ready for God. And especially those who have been praying for a lot. And you feel like, you know what, I've, I've gone up for prayer for years and years and years. That There's something in a renewal of an expectation, isn't there, when you have this fresh faith for Maybe something you've seen before, but actually renewal is coming back around to that and saying, yeah, I really believe that. So um, I'm not going to do anything about that now, but we've got plenty of time this weekend to act on that. And if you, have, especially if you're someone who has been prayed for a lot, you've been to every conference, you've been, you've been lining up on every appeal, um, and you kind of just do it. But this weekend, there's an anointing for healing. And also, if you move in the gift of knowledge, just to wait for that, listen to God because there's some specific things going to happen, I'm sure. So it is, um, it's, it's a bit of a risk when you always come back, when you come back to somewhere where people know you really well, because you guys know a lot about us. Dave's probably got more to worry about than I have. <laughs> a lot of stories, a lot of history, um, but yeah. God is good. We are living in Coventry. We are leading a church there. And um, a church, uh, 
multicultural, multi-generational, um, just amazing what God has been doing with us there over the past six, seven years. Um, so if you get to, uh, if we get to hang out over a mealtime, we've got a lot of stories about what's happening there. We'd love to share those with you. But the weekend is about, uh, I think Andrew kind of told us you always call it renew, which I love because there's this consistent state of renewal. Now we don't become stagnant and stay, we don't stay in the same place, but we're in a position where we say, God, I always want to be renewed by you, I always want to feel that refreshing. But particularly this week, we're talking about wholeness this weekend. And I want to talk about my title, if you are taking notes, or for the dictaphone here, is Second Chance Love. I want to talk about the right to reboot. The right to reboot. A few weeks ago, Dave and I were hosting a couple who were visiting Mosaic Church. They had come for the weekend, they'd spent some time with our worship team, and we were taking them out for dinner on the Saturday evening. Um, they're both well-established, very experienced musicians and singers. Um, I mean, we had a, we kind of got them to do it, but they name-dropped most of the evening. <laughs> so he's well-travelled, sessional musician. She's worked for many, many different places and singing. And they've both seen these incredible, impressive people. And they began to tell us their story. And they talked about how they were both from very broken, destructive and damaged relationships, which had ended. And they'd found each other. And God, they talked about God's redemptive power, his restorative power, how he'd caused this thing to happen, and it was incredible. Their story was amazing. But the thing that really struck Dave and I is that they said the theme of our wedding was second chances. The whole theme, the whole spirit of what they talked about and how they went about that day was telling people second chances are up here, and God can do something in that. We, as a family, love, um, we love that whole, you know, um, second chance thing. We love the idea of taking in people or animals who need rescuing. Uh, we have a rescue dog, <laughs> Eli. And um, a few years ago, so um, Naya went through a phase, this is not embarrassing, Naya, don't worry. Naya went through a phase of liking horses when she was a lot younger. How many of the girls went through phases of, yeah, thank you, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> a lot of girls who go these stages of liking horses. I don't know if you remember, Naya, but I attempted a... Uh, a cake on your birthday which was looked like some out of the godfather it was a horse's head and just as we <laughs> just as we got to the party i dropped it and it fell off and oh, it was awful anyway as part of this birthday we took her to a horse sanctuary um a place where horses are rescued and given a second chance and i don't know if you remember this dave but he was dave was specifically um really moved weren't you by this whole idea of second chances of of these horses who were sent out to die somebody went no let's take them in let's give them a second chance and as christians we love that too don't we we are i love hearing about fostering and adoption and times and situations where somebody has been put aside and abandoned and said you don't matter anymore and we as the people of God say yes you do come and we will receive you as our own and I love that and I'm going to talk a little bit about how God does that with us and we see these incredible examples of God's redemption throughout his word I love the story of the prodigal son 
Don't you? Well, he is absolutely messed up. He has hit rock bottom. Yet his father is stood looking every day, every day, waiting. He will return. He will return. And he didn't stand with judgment and shouting at him and yelling at him. He stood with his arms wide open saying, come on, everything can get back to how it was. You're my son. I love that. God is in the business of restoration, second chances, and his abundant, amazing grace. We talk about revelation, don't we, being like a floodlight. And I love describing it like that. You walk into a darkened room, a darkened arena, we flick on the light. That's what revelation's like. Suddenly, everything becomes clear. And as I was thinking about this, about this whole wholeness and this right to reboot and re-kind of find ourselves in that um, love of God again, I thought, how often do we stand in that arena of that place in Revelation and it becomes normal? We've been in that floodlit room for so long that we've forgotten why we went in there in the first place. Dave has just come back from Albania and he told me a story of... Um, the, one of the missionaries there was telling Dave how when Albania first got electricity and one of the schools had first got light bulbs and electricity and um, they walked, the children walked in and they were sh- like wide-eyed, what's this, I don't get it, what, what is this about? And they, the teacher turned off the light, took out the light bulb and they were holding it and they were in awe of it and just like this is incredible and amazing. But within a matter of days, it just became the norm. It just became something that was always there and was always part of their schoolroom. And I wonder if we get like that with a revelation of God's love, with a revelation of who he is. We've, I've been a Christian, well, I've been part of church life for 41 years and I've been a Christian for around 35 of those. I've seen church, uh, reflections of church in every way you could possibly think of. I've, you know, been in school rooms and front rooms and in massive buildings and experienced the life in the body of Christ. I've heard incredible preachers. I've been sat under amazing teaching, yet my hunger for God is bigger than ever before because I cannot stay the same. I cannot sit in that revelation that I had 20 years ago in, a, in the Schofield Centre, which was amazing. I have to hunger for renewal, for wholeness, for more, for that right to reboot, for that second chance again and again and again. And renewing and rebooting and this idea of having this new chance to to experience God's love and to love him requires our attention, doesn't it? It requires our full attention. When we pay attention to something, it grows. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this in my seminar later. Uh, Just to know, um, my seminar speaks for itself. Dave has had to put stars and and arrows and uh, things all around him. But that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to say anything else about that. (laughs) You get the right to choose. (laughs) The poet Mary Oliver said this, to pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. And I want to suggest that renewing and walking in this wholeness
Christmas requires our attention. It requires a weekend away. It requires a conversation with a friend who says, come on, you need some refreshing here. It requires a challenge. It requires someone to encourage us and cheer us on. It requires us to reflect on ourselves and our life. And again, in this uh, seminar later, I'm going to be talking about self-leadership, how we are responsible for that journey. And I'll go a bit deeper into that later. When we pay attention to something, it grows. If any gardeners here, you know that. You water something, you put it in the right light, you feed it every so often, and it grows because you're paying it attention. Marriage requires our attention. If we want our marriages, our relationships to grow, they require our attention. Date nights, conversation, communication, conquering challenges, and celebrating victories. That's all part of paying attention. And this reboot that we're talking about, this second chance, this, this walking in this refreshing and wholeness of, we've heard it so many times, coming back to our first love requires our attention. God gave us his full attention on the cross. It was done. It was finished. And I'm challenged daily, constantly, that it's time for his people to show him that attention, to show him that we are paying attention. And I'm calling this this attentive love. That are we giving him an attentive love? Are we showing him our attentive love? Or has it become that we're hanging out in the floodlit room and it's all become quite normal? And I want to um, spend just the next few moments talking about three markings of this attentive love which will hopefully just start some thought processes in all of us. Maybe we'll have some reflective time over the weekend to be able to really you know, examine our hearts in this way. But I want to look at three ways, these markings, these brandings of this attentive love and something we can come back to, something we can renew, something that results in wholeness. And the story I'm going to read from is from Luke 7. Um, which is um, the story when Jesus was anointed by the sinful woman. That's how it's um, after the title of it. And this woman can teach us so much about how we come to Jesus again and again and again, this attentive love. I'm going to read um, the story and then I'm going to talk briefly about three areas. Um, acceptance, acclamation, and abandonment. And we're going to go through those. Okay, so it's Luke 7, 36 to 50. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certainly moral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt beside him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love that. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. 
Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your room, you didn't offer me water to wash dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. It goes on, there's a bit more there, but we'll, we'll stop there. This incredible story of this incredible, courageous thing this woman did has revealed so much and shows us so much about this attentive love, this coming back to that place of loving on God, loving on Jesus. And I want to talk about acceptance, acclamation and abandonment, three things she shows us in this story. First of all, acceptance to fully give this attentive love to throw ourselves back into that place of loving Jesus we first have to accept who he has called us to be who we are in him you know we hear about this so much don't we our identity in Christ man Dev and I were raised on that revelation you know our identity and purpose in Christ but it's so important, more important than ever before in the face of the society that we live in, that we know who we are in Christ, that we are fully accepted in him. He has adopted us into his family. Ephesians 1.5 tells us God decided in advance, not when he finally looked at you and said, oh, they're doing all right, but in advance, he adopted us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. One of our friend, uh, uh, Canadian family in the church have just had their celebration hearing for their uh, adopted son, George. He's two years old. He's amazing. They've got three of their own daughters, and they've just adopted um, a son. And uh, we've got a few people who we're praying with and doing references for who are adopting at the moment. And it's an amazing privilege to be part of that process. But I'm sure nothing touches the actual bringing a child into your family. And uh, we were sat, I was sat with her with a few friends just last week. And they were asking her, we were discussing sort of things like child benefit, tax credits and all that kind of stuff. And someone said, I assume you're getting, because they don't get a lot because they're Canadian, they haven't been in the country long. So they don't claim what we claim. And somebody said to her, I assume you're getting child benefit for George, because he's English and he was born here. She said, no, now he's adopted, he gets everything we get. He gets treated the same as our children. And as much as it, there was this sense of injustice, and, you know, actually, that is the picture of adoption, that is it. As soon as he's fully adopted into their family, his identity completely becomes theirs. Whatever their children get, he gets. Their name, their culture, their, their atmosphere, the environment of their home, he becomes theirs. And I just got this incredible picture of that is who we are in God. This word adoption, you know, we, we, it's such a powerful, powerful word. It's not temporary. It's not lighthearted. It's not some sideline afterthought. I just pull you in and you can kind of tag along with our family. No, you become 
everything that that family becomes. And when we are adopted into the family of Christ, when God said, I have chosen you, I already thought about this, this is a pre-thing, you are mine, I have adopted you fully into my family, we are completely his. Romans 8 in the message says this, and we know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Isn't that amazing? I know, I love that song, you know, the good, good father. It's who I am, it's who he is, it's who he is, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. If we fully, fully want to do this renewing of our love for God, first we have to accept who we are in him. Adopted children are whole, are free. They know who they are. I am fully his and everything he has belongs to me. So first of all, and this is what the woman did, didn't she? She was, I mean, that's a brave move, walking into that room. To, have, to be able to do that, she must have had this understanding, I know Jesus won't turn me away. I know he will receive me into what is going on in there. There must have been this sense for her to walk in there, for her to fully be in front of all those men, humiliated, laughed at, jeered. And how many people go through that in our lives, in our jobs, in our work situations, whatever it is we face, and yet we stand and say, I'm fully accepted by Christ. I can fall at his feet and look like a fool. I know I'm his. So secondly, I want to talk about acclamation, gratitude, this whole praise, clapping, saying, thank you, God. And she walked into that room, fell to her knees in gratitude, despite what she knew she was, despite what she had walked, despite who she had harmed herself and others around her. She walked in there with a gratitude for Jesus. She fell at his feet. I love the, or the writings of an author called Anne Ross Camp. It's, um, uh, she's a Christian writer, nonfiction, and she wrote a book called 1000 Gifts. And she was challenged to write a thousand things down that she was thankful for. And um, I'm not talking about thank you God for you know a sunny day, thank you for providing um, you know food for us today. She wasn't just simple things like that. She was challenged even in the depth of despair and the hardest, darkest days. She was going through some stuff that she wrote down things she could be thankful for. Something, waking up next to her husband in the morning, the, the, the scent of, of the air in the spring, whatever it was, it's incredible. It's, I recommend the book to read. She talks about gratitude leading to joy. That the more she wrote these things down, the more joy erupted inside her. It's a brilliant story. If you go read the book, go on to her blog, Anne Voskamp, I can give you her name and her stuff later. I've been really challenged by this. And over the past few years, I've been writing a gratitude journal. I think I'm on about six, 700 now. I'm nearly at, I'm getting towards 1,000. And I often flick through those pages. And the times when you just you can't think, you know, it's not, things don't come quick. Or it's those times when you can think of the negatives quicker. That's the time to write them down. That's the time to be full of gratitude. You know, I've often been, I've, I've, I used to lead worship tons, and you'd start a meeting saying, let's think, let's start to say things to each other that we're thankful for. And the people who can't think of anything, they're totally stum. And they're like, you must be able to think of something you're thankful for. But gratitude is a habit. It's something we have to cultivate daily. It's something we have to say, you know, constantly. 
what are we thankful for? What are we thankful for? And it's not just some pet answers. It's from the depth of our hearts. I am grateful for King Jesus, for what he did, the sacrifice, and the fact that I'm alive. Sometimes I thank God in the morning that I've got breath in my body, and I teach my kids that. What are we thankful for? We thank God that we have work, a roof over our head, especially when you travel and you see others that don't. And I teach my kids that. We say thank you to God every day for his provision in our family. And I teach my children that. We thank God that we've got a car because we don't take those things for granted. Gratitude leads to joy. And this is an amazing, amazing marking of that renewal of our love for God is actually being able to say thank you. When we love someone, that's a way we show it, isn't it? Philippians 4.12 I love this. I was talking to Trent about this this morning, actually, this whole thing of contentment. Paul says, I've learned. I've been in plenty, and I've had nothing, but I've learned to be content. Because he knows who he is, doesn't he? He knows who he is in Christ, and he's learned to be full of contentment and gratitude, whether he's having this incredible, blessed life, or he's got nothing. I've learned to be content. And this is another way, another marking of this amazing, attentive love. And thirdly, uh, to finish, abandonment. We, she throws herself at Jesus' feet. She weeps. She pours out this ointment. And she uses her hair to wipe his feet. I don't like feet at the best of times, but that is amazing to me. That everything, her whole physical being, it wasn't just words. It wasn't just lip service. It was, it was a whole physical being. Her heart, her soul, her emotions, her body, her hair. She gave it to him in complete abandonment. We get scriptures like Romans 12, don't we? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep it fresh. Keep it alive. And this abandonment is a, is, it's really challenging when we're British and we're, you know, I am an introvert and I, I generally, my default is safe. My default is, you know, just stand back and watch a little bit, maybe warm up after a little while. Maybe, you know, I've done some daring and courageous things in my life, but it's not my default. I have to push myself into that. And this abandonment, I mean, I, I've, I've created a habit of abandonment in worship, but it, it, it rolls over into so many other areas of our lives, how we respond to others, how we give financially, how we give of our homes, our time. Abandonment hits so many different areas of our lives. Abandonment normally means to be left alone, doesn't it? If we abandon you know, a piece of work, we walk away from it and just never go back if a child is abandoned they're left on their own and you uh, and they walked away from abandonment to god is leaving ourselves alone it's leaving ourselves alone and giving ourselves completely to god it's saying hands off me totally hands up to god that is what she did this is our abandonment often this is um we see this in faith. Faith is a, is a picture of abandonment. Because faith is, is you don't see it, but you still walk in it. I love in um, Hebrews 11, this the story of Abraham. And it says, he didn't know where he was going, but he, went, he just went. 
he, he started to journey with God. He, he stood and wavering on the promises of God, saying, I know you'll do what you said you'll do. And he started to move. He acted on God's voice. And it clearly says in Hebrews, but he did not know where he was going. Isn't that a Christian life? Isn't that abandonment? I mean, I'm sure the woman walking into that room didn't know how it was going to result. She didn't know what the outcome was going to be. She did not know that Jesus was going to say, your sins are forgiven. And abandonment, completely throwing ourselves into the things of God, saying, I love you, God, and I'm going to live 100% for you. Whether you've been a Christian two years or 42 years, we can do that every single day and what an amazing reward what a treasure we get from doing that he's saying I'm throwing myself at your feet again God and that's what we can do this weekend he's saying I am going to throw myself at your feet like a child like a new zealot Christian like you know like there's the times when you've you've remembered you'll say to people oh I used to be like that or you'll see someone who's wild and crazy in the spirit and you're like yeah I've I've done that I've, I've done that bit let's be like that let's do those things let's be zealous and full of God let's throw ourselves at his feet in that abandonment of saying I am completely crazy in love with you God and I can do that every single day and these are the markings these are the brandings of people the people of God who have an attentive love for their king he gave us his full attention on the cross And today we can turn our full attention to him. Shall we stand? I want to pray. I know our time is, um, tea is calling. Often when we share stuff like this, and Dave's going to be sharing tomorrow morning about the, the gospel, and we've both got loads to say this afternoon, this will be a continual conversation. We're not skipping from one thing to another. This is our heart this weekend. And often you kind of can go, lay it all out, and then you move on and drink your tea and chat. But let this be a continual burning. Let this be a, um, a you know, like a, a God kind of stirring the water in us. And just when you have your moments of quiet and whether you've taken notes or not, when you have those moments when the kids are asking you a question or ask, you know, that actually you consider, yeah, where am I with that? Are there stuff that I've had deep revelations of and it's now become normal? I want to throw myself at his feet again. So should we just pray? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it always does what it's sent out to do. It never, ever returns void. Father, thank you that it's living and acting and moving, and it's doing that in our lives today. Father, I thank you for this incredible picture of this woman. Lord, and that I ask that you would help us walk into that newly, freshly lit room. That, God, we would capture that again. That we'd get that sense of coming back. I thank you that you are a God of second chances. You're a God of, of saying, come on, do this again. Come back to me. Turn your heart. That even if we've looked and acted like a Christian for many years, that today we can be that. We can throw ourselves at your feet. Truly in abandonment, saying, I want to live for you, I want to love you, and I want to lead this life serving you. Lord, I pray for all of our hearts here. I pray that this would have fallen on fertile soil. That God, you would protect it, you would water it, you would allow it to grow. And that each person here, 
Lord, would be challenged by something, or we've said that there'd be a, a, a positioning, a, a pivoting, God, of a changing our lives this weekend. Yes. That we'd know what it is to walk in wholeness. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just one last thing before we go inside, Paul. I just want to share one. You can sit down. I just want to say one thing. Um, I... I'm in uh, the past few years I've got into the habit of prophetically naming my year and um, I, I do this but I have a, a girls discipleship group that is growing all the time but I, I get them to do it too and we process this throughout a whole 12 months we live that out and um, this year God spoke to me about the word shalom and I've spoken this over my ear but I really believe this for you guys and, and for the church at this time and I've written this down and when I was going to throw it in because the word wholeness is part of shalom yeah. and um, so the words that to break down shalom it means this peace harmony wholeness completeness prosperity welfare and tranquility isn't that incredible and as I've kind of been involved with different conversations and visited people I've been wanting to speak that and prophesy that over their lives and just to finish there's um, this this amazing um, Cornelius Pantiga whoever whoever he was we quote people don't we we don't know who they are Um, but he said um, in the bible shalom means universal flourishing wholeness and delight a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and saviour opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Isn't that wholeness? So let's walk in that and I want to. Con- we will continuously pray that over the church, over you guys. That you would walk in the way things meant to be. Wholeness. Shalom. Amen. Amen. Thank you.